morning, Lifeway. Good morning. That wasn't very good. Good morning, Lifeway. I feel like a drill sergeant this morning. All right, everyone. Are you out there? Yes, sir. <laughs> sure you are. You ready to go? I mean, the battle belongs to the Lord, right? And so turn over to Second Chronicles chapter 7. Uh, while you're turning there, I want to make you aware of a couple of things that are happening this week. Did I say that fast enough with no breath? Uh, Wednesday, uh, 7 p.m., we're going to meet here for prayer. Prayer, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. We need everybody in prayer. Thank you for those two amens, a couple of grunts out there. Listen, the church was birthed in prayer. You need me to preach a sermon about prayer right now. The church was birthed in prayer. The church moved forward in prayer. And the church is going to go out of this earth in prayer. Because Jesus is looking for a glorious bride a powerful, glorious bride, not a beaten and bruised up bride that's barely struggling and getting along. And so power comes when we pray. Unity comes when we pray. Amen. Amen. Power comes when we pray together. Do we believe that? Uh, We've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Take this opportunity. We can have a potluck dinner and 100 people will come. You call for prayer, three people. But I'll have people text me all day long, pray for me. People that have left the church and moved to another place or just not members anymore or whatever, pray for me, pastor, pray for me. We call a prayer meeting. Now, I, hear, I feel people saying, I wish he'd get off of this. No. No. Okay. Some more. Prayer. Guys, do we, I need prayer. Do you need prayer? Does the, do you think the church needs prayer? If we're going to accomplish our mission, we have to do what? Pray. Pray. And then we have to put feet to our prayer, which takes us out of our comfort zone and gets us walking on the water so that we can reach the harvest. This is why we're here. Amen. We're here. We're still here. The harvest is still here. Can I say this boldly? God's going to hold us responsible for the harvest. I got all my boldness today. And, And so... Be ready for boldness. Life group, uh, the Starlings life group starts on Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. at the Starlings house. Starlings, raise your hand. This life group is called, called spiritual battle readiness. And if I needed to be spiritually ready for the, the battle or ready for the spiritual battle, take that both ways, I would go to the Starlings house and be a part of their life group at 7.30 on Tuesday. So, let's pray. Now you're ready to pray. I'm ready to pray. I need to pray. (laughs) Lord, help me. Thank you, Father, for another uh, time in your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for um, your welcome here. And you come where you're welcome. And so, Jesus, thank you for saying to us that where two or three are gathered in your name, that you're right there with us. And uh, Father, we just want to hear your voice today. We thank you for speaking to us. Um, We thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to tell us the truth. And the truth is your word, the two-edged sword that's quick and powerful, that goes where it needs to go to separate the lies and the truth, to, to correct us, to change us, to give us instruction for righteousness. Thank you, Father, that you love us so much that you confront us with the truth. You're a good Heavenly Father that doesn't hide anything from us, but you want us to walk in truth. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your truth this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're going to have communion today. That's, that's awesome. We were just communing with the Lord this morning. And so communion just means joining our presence with his presence. We, we purposely come into the presence of the Lord. When we take communion, we're, Jesus said, when you do this, remember me. And so the church, we're part of him and he's part of us. Where we go wrong, 
anytime we go wrong is we leave him and do our own thing. So communion is so important. We, we need to put it in our life purposely. Not just, we're not just practicing it once a month here at the church on a Sunday morning. You need to practice communion anytime you need to be reminded that Jesus gave his life. He, 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 he shed his blood. He took stripes for you. And that may be every day. Take communion, not religiously, but in faith. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to do that here at the end. But um, let's go over to Chronicles, uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14. Yes, this is the fourth week of pray, vote, pray. And I woke up this morning and the Lord said, the election is not finished. Amen. That's, a, that's a shock to some people. And we are videotaping. I know that we are uh, not streaming because we've had an audio problem. And I, you know, I don't, listen, I want to be sens sensible and, and use common sense. I don't blame every, everything on the devil. But I do know <laughs> that the enemy doesn't want the message of truth to get out. So we are videoing this and I will have it posted out today. And I'm asking you to share it. The reason, the, the way that the church is going to grow is if we stand up, even in the middle of social media, and share the truth. I'm not asking you to share a lie. Share the truth. So, the Lord said the election's not finished. That's a shock. Because there's half of the country that voted for somebody that still has a chance. I'm, I'm speaking the truth. Amen. <laughs> Hold on, because I've got some notes here and some things that... And so the Lord says the election's not finished, and you're not finished with this series yet. So as long as this thing goes on, I'm going to be speaking about God and government. I answer to the Lord. I don't answer to anybody else. And... Uh, Okay, here, here, here let, let's go to 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We love to quote that, but we don't even realize where it fits in the scripture. Look. Up at verse 11, when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and has succeeded in carrying out all that he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, man, Solomon had just done a great thing for God. And God is saying, hey, I've heard your prayer. And have chosen this place for myself as a temple and sacrifices. And when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. Sound like devastation is coming. God told Solomon what to do before the devastation came. A lot of people are, are, are surprised about devastation. Guys, sin has a price. There's a price for sin. There's a fruit. There, there's fruit for sin. When you sin, there is, <laughs> there is a, a, a consequence. And the Bible is very clear about that. And so God wants us to know how to repent and how to turn and ask for his blessing back. Right? God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But he told us what to do when we get in a tight time. And in case you haven't noticed, we're in a tight time. When half of the country votes for life and the other half for death. Did he just say that? Yeah, I just said that. Uh, when this election is not about the future, is, is not about the future of the red and blue, the donkey and the, and the elephant or a person named Trump and a person named Biden, it is about the future of our Constitution right. and the rule of law. 
It's about truth, freedom, and liberty. And we have these banners and we make these declarations about truth, freedom, and liberty. And we forget that those are three main themes of the Word of God. And we can't take just what sounds good to us from the Word of God and leave the other righteous instruction and say, ah, so what if they believe about abortion? We have to use our filter on every issue, uh, the Word of God as our filter on every issue, on every issue. This is a Christian worldview. We have gotten so far away from the Christian worldview that we're willing to allow other isms into this country and embrace and say, kumbaya, (laughs) listen, this is a spiritual battle and it's going to be won in the spirit, not in the media. The media does not decide the election. Think back to Bush versus Gore in 2000. 37 days patiently waiting. Patiently waiting because things were done according to the law. (laughs) There's reasons that we have election laws and procedures. And quite frankly, it's not as easy voting today as texting your vote like you do on America's Got Talent. There are different state laws that have to be followed, procedures that have to be followed. And so it's, uh, it's a process. We've got to let justice and liberty and freedom prevail. So whether we like it or not, we are getting a great lesson in civics. People are digging out the books that they had in elementary school, grade school, high school, and going, what's going on? What's going on? Guys, listen, this is a great time right now. It's a great time right now because we don't want to keep putting Band-Aids on cancer. (laughs) Let's go down to the root. Listen, election fraud is nothing new. It's been happening all along. There have been, <laughs> listen, wherever there's sin, it's been going on long time. And I'm not saying one party sins and the other party doesn't. Guys, there's sin in America. It's dressed up in red and blue. Come on, guys. It's not about a party. It's not about a person. It's about our Constitution. And the reason we're ignorant about it is because we don't know. What you don't know about, you automatically judge. Bah, bah, bah. Find out. Find out. Not on social media. I was talking to a pastor the other day, and uh, he began to ask me, so, so what happens now? And I said, you know, each state has to validate and count the legally casted ballots. Recounts can be requested if they fall, depending on the state, if they fall within a certain percentage. And as I'm talking, as I'm talking to him and asking questions of him, it hit me. This scripture in Hosea chapter 4, I want you to see it. I want you to see it. Don't take my word for it. This is where we've gone wrong so much of the time as we just believe because there's a suit and a tie in front of us that this person knows exactly what they're talking about, especially if they're paid hundreds of thousands of dollars by CNN, NBC, CBS, ABC. Come on. It's time to wake up. Hosea 4.6. New King James Version. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Come on. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priest for me. Because you've forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. This is a strong indictment from the Lord. 
to the priest. Now let me tell you something personal about me. I made a covenant with the Lord years ago that I would communicate truth. And so when I entered the ministry, I'm not trying to please people. I'm not a people pleaser. You didn't hire me and you can't fire me. I love you, but I answer to God. And if I don't tell you the truth, blood is going to be on my hands. Now, I never heard Pastor Bruce preach this strong before. Well, listen, uh, uh, the alarm has happened. <laughs> the alarm has happened. I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. They're going to put it up there so you can see that I'm telling you the truth. Message, the message, Hosea 5, uh, 4, 5 through 10. 5 through 10 because the message, the way it breaks down the verses and everything. We have to realize, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to put this in context here. God was saying, my people perish for lack of knowledge. But then he was berating the priest for, for covering up the knowledge or for not telling the people. So this is serious to me, guys. I want you to know that God pays my salary. I'm not beholden to anyone. Maybe my wife. <laughs> because we're one, the Bible says that we're one spirit, right? And the Lord joins us together, we're one spirit. But I work for God. And, and I realized that his, his response, his, he wants me to be responsible standing here telling you the truth. Hosea chapter 4, verse 5. But don't look for someone to blame. No finger pointing. Do you see the verse up there? I want you to see it. So I'll keep going. If you have it on the Message Bible, pull it up. It's so good. But don't look for, for someone else to blame. No finger pointing. You, priest, are the one on the, on the dock. You stumble around in broad daylight, and then the prophets take over and stumble all night. This is a word from the Lord coming through the prophet Hosea to his people. So he's, he's pointing the finger at the priest and the prophet. <laughs> And then, then the message says, your mother is as bad as you. Huh. <laughs> the Lord is stirring up his priests and prophets. Like, okay, you got my attention now. You're talking about my mother. <laughs> my people are ruined. Listen, this is, the, this is the, the jealousy, the anger of the Lord. My people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true. My people are being ruined because they don't know what's right or true. When I was speaking to that pastor, it hit me that if a pastor who's leading people doesn't even know about the three, uh, the, the three branches of government and how an election works, then probably most of the body of Christ doesn't either. It, it, and it's, it's a shame that we are living in 2020 with as much in, availability to information as we have, and we don't even understand what happens next. And we're so willing to believe that someone is going to be president without the Electoral College even voting. <laughs> Come on. This is Civics 101. The Electoral College has to vote. Because you've turned your back on knowledge, I've turned my back on you priests. Because you refuse to recognize the revelation of God, I'm no longer recognizing your children. Think about this. God's will, we just sang it, your blessing would be upon us to a thousand generations and your children and their children and their children. That is the blessing, the Mosaic blessing back in the Old Testament. God's will is that he bless us and our children and future generations. But here he's saying, because you priests have held back the knowledge from the people, my people are being destroyed, and I'm going to hold you accountable. And I'm turning my back on you and your children. Think about Eli who allowed the sin up in the, up in the temple. And it took a young man, Samuel, the prophet, to come and say, 
Here's what's going to happen. Eli, you're going down. There's sin. (laughs) We don't want to deal with sin. We're such a society that is so comfortable with buying a lie that we can't even recognize truth when it's staring us in the face. The more priest, the more sin. Wow. That's what God said. The more priest, the more sin. They traded in their glory for shame. They pig out on my people's sins. They can't wait for the latest in evil. The result, you can't tell the people from the priest. The priest from the people. I'm on my way to make them both pay and take the consequences of the bad times they've lived. They'll eat and be as hungry as ever, have sex and get no satisfaction. They walked out on me, their God, for a life of rutting with whores. That's pretty strong. But pastor, I, think, I thought we served the God of love. Yes, he loves. But if there's a cliff standing, right, if there's a cliff right there, he says, wake up, there's a cliff. Guys, I've said it for a long time. Politically correct. If I have to be politically correct or spiritually correct, I'm choosing spiritually correct. I'm choosing scripturally correct. I wouldn't be the first one to be thrown in jail. There's been many, even through this pandemic, just wanting to assemble. Oh, no, you can't assemble. Says who? The governor. <laughs> really? You're kidding me. I can go to Walmart. Home Depot, you just can't symbol. Listen, mm, 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 mm. I don't think we have seen anything yet if we continue to allow sin to take over our nation. It's ungodliness, it's lawlessness. If we have a constitution, we have to uphold the constitution. Amen. If there's laws, they have to be upheld. There are election laws that are being broken. They have to be upheld. I'm just the messenger. Don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. God expects righteousness. Where the righteous rule, the people rejoice. I'm passionate about it because I'm passionate about the truth. And I'm passionate to hear my Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I can't tell you a lie. I can't just put a Band-Aid on a cancer and say, let's just all come together and pray for peace, pray for unity. Listen, the, the, the light is becoming lighter and the dark is becoming darker. And there's a spiritual war going on. You can see it in the streets. Now, the media may not want to play it, But there is war in the streets. There are people prophesying blood in the streets. How much more is it going to take for the church to wake up and say, no, no. The word of God is clear. First Corinthians chapter 16. Look at this. First Corinthians 16, 13. I know this is not a popular message. I'm not looking for popularity, in case you haven't noticed. I'm not all over Facebook trying to get friends, influence people. And the big ones, when they get up there, they have a hard time staying up there. <laughs> they fall. Lord, I pray for our Christian leaders. Because they want to excuse sin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for others that have hurt you that just excused it and said, well, it was just my flesh. We have to repent. Back to 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Repentance is a process. It's not, it's, it's not just the words of your mouth. Remember what Jesus said. These people serve me with their mouth, but their hearts are very far from me. My father lived... 56 years thinking that he was saved. 
But when the Lord sent a woman to his house a few months before he died and asked him the question, do you want to receive Jesus? Three months before he died from cancer, he got born again. And he said to that woman, I said that Jesus was Lord from my mouth, but I really didn't believe it in my heart. Jesus said there's going to be those in that day that say, Lord, Lord, we cast out devils in your name. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Guys, this is really serious, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> when the Word of God is serious, and, and just like I prayed before, it is a, it's a, a, a double-edged sword. It cuts, but it heals. It cuts between the truth and a lie. And God wants us to be free from lies so that we can walk in truth. There's joy in truth. There's peace in truth. There's grace in truth. But if we continue to walk and cover things up, it only does damage. That's right. That's right. Parents, if your children are acting up, don't turn your head and just ignore them and say, oh, they're not killing each other. At least they're not killing each other. No, it takes patience. It takes discipline. And it takes a peaceful spirit to discipline your child, not out of anger, but teach them how to obey. God wants us to obey. He's not a dictator. He's not someone that's trying to hurt us. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Be on your guard. Why? Because we're in spiritual battle. Everything's not rosy. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And then he says, do everything in love. But love, <laughs> it's interesting. Love doesn't just turn a blind eye to sin. Again, back to the illustration of the, of the parents. Do you love your parents if you allow them to go out the door, down to the train track, and play on the train track? No. God gives us boundaries for our good. Not to prove that he's stronger than we are or smarter than we are, right? He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. He's God. But he says, I love you enough to give you boundaries. Just live within the word. Guys, I have studied. I want to go back to this. I studied the Democratic platform. They're, they, they, they pushed God out of the party. Check my facts. They pushed God out of the party, and they embraced just one issue, abortion. No, we want. We want federally funded abortion so that the mother, after she bursts the baby, can decide, does he live, does he die? My money, my, I'm a taxpayer, is paying for that. Guys, <laughs> we're living in this and we're, we're trying to justify it and candy coat it and put the icing on it and say, Oh, it's just a, it's, it's a little football game between red and blue. No, this is heaven and hell. This is life and death. This is black and white. This is light and darkness. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you're coming to this church, you're going to hear the truth and serve the Lord with us. You're invited to. I'm not, nobody's going to force you to. But I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to back down and candy coat anything and just pretend like it doesn't exist. And, oh, we got this huge church, so we got to keep all these people so we can't say certain things. Listen, the, the reason that the church is divided is because half of the church is not even standing on the Word of God. Where's the Word? Jesus said, build your house on the Word, and when the rains come, the winds beat, and the storm comes, it'll be standing. But I'm just here to tell you, if churches don't build their church on the Word of God, they will fall. Ministers who don't build their life on the Word of God will fall. Jesus said things like this, if you're not for me, you're against me. 
Jesus said, those people have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And also, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, we are not supposed to conform to the world. The world. The world. The world. Well, we got to look like them, act like them, and, and, and love them so that they will come into the body of Christ. No. No. Jesus said, here, today is the day of salvation. Do you believe? Do you don't believe? Do, do you believe or not believe? You may not get another chance. I'm not one to, to, to be saying every Sunday, Jesus is coming back today. But I'm telling you, with the things that are going on, hmm, love doesn't believe that you can find common ground in sin. The challenge, the challenge that we're living in is that we're living in a middle, the middle of a society where people are comfortable with their own truth. That's relativism. Love doesn't believe that you can find common ground in sin. And this moral relativism is good for you. It's good for you. What's good for me is good for me. No, God says this is good for all of us. All of us. One of the big things in my life, and you can imagine, is the, the freedom to worship God. If we don't stand up for righteousness, the evil in this country, it's already here. The enemy is among us. will take away our right to come together every Sunday. They, they've had a practice run during this COVID. And again, it's not about a person. It's about the spirit behind That's right. people. Do you know the devil has to use people? Yeah. Yes. He has to, he's mad right now that I'm saying all of this. He has to use people. And if he, want, he wants us to point fingers at each other. You're the devil. You're the devil. You're the devil. You're the devil. Trump's the devil. Biden's the devil. Trump's the devil. Biden's the devil. No. The devil's off in the corner over there laughing. Because people are fighting over this person. Right. Really? <laughs> It's not about a person, guys. Think bigger. Think bigger. Think bigger than the next four years. Your children and their children and their children and their children. If we don't stand up for righteousness now, we should just close the book, go home and say, party till Jesus comes back. <laughs> right? No. I'm bound by the Lord to speak the truth. <laughs> bound by the Lord to speak the truth. And I'm not going to shut down, shut up, or back down. So, November 11th. Sounds like I'm mad, but I'm really passionate. Those of you who really know me, I love people. I love people. I want to see people get to heaven. I want to see people in their marriage to be reconciled. I want to see people healed in their bodies. I want to see people empowered by the Holy Spirit and live and walk in victory. I'm not mad. I'm mad at the devil. So I'm going back. I'm going back. Now, because I had this conversation with this pastor and didn't really understand anything about the Constitution, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this very thing here in our church, teach a class on the Constitution beginning this month. Details will be forthcoming. But we're going to teach about the Constitution from now till Jesus comes back or he changes my mind on it. People need to know. We can't live in ignorance any longer. We have to know the rights that are given to us, our rights, because if we don't know our rights, they're going to be taken from us. I go back to Samuel and Donna. This is their first election that they voted in. They became a, a American citizens a year and a half ago, right? And they had to go through a class to find out what happens in America. They know more about our country than most people that graduate from high school. They know more about the history of America than most people that have lived here, their life, their whole life. And it's sad. And they come from a socialist country. And they're telling us, please don't let America go back to socialism. 
I'm getting uh, messages from people that I know in other places and saying, please, we're praying for America. Hold up this standard of righteousness, please. So I went back 400 years ago, not time travel or anything, <laughs> but <laughs> to, um, that would be 1620, right? In November of 11, uh, November 11th, it's called a Mayflower Compact. Mayflower, Mayflower Compact. I'm going to read uh, a section here, and then we're going to make a compact or an, an agreement. Compact is an agreement between two parties. And so, years after enduring government persecution, the pilgrims, according to their governor and historian, William Bradford, finally shook off this yoke of anti-Christian bondage and as the Lord, Lord's free people joined themselves by a covenant of the Lord into a church estate in the fellowship of the gospel to walk in all of his ways, they left England and went to Holland where they finally found religious freedom. Okay, so they were under the state-controlled church. They made a covenant with the Lord and said, we want to worship you freely, and they moved to Holland where they found religious freedom. But after 12 years in the secular culture of Holland, they became concerned for the faith of their children. They also preferred the overall English culture to that of the Dutch, and so they decided to move to the new land of America where they could, number one, freely worship God, number two, raise godly children, and number three, share the wonderful truths of the Christian gospel with others. Those three things, worship God, raise, raise your godly children, and share the Christian gospel with others. Concerning this third point, Bradford affirmed that the pilgrims had, quote, a great hope and inward zeal for the propagating and advancing the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in those remote parts of the world. They were missionaries. They said, wow, the new world. We've heard things about it. I mean, put yourself in there. There's, they were willing to give up everything. Lose their life if that's what it meant because it took months, two months, uh, 60, 66 days, I believe, for the Mayflower to arrive, Plymouth Rock. When they set sail for America in 1620 aboard the ship Mayflower, it bore 102 pilgrims and strangers, which they called themselves. And they took that from uh, 1 Peter 2, uh, 11. But the ship also carried much more. It carried the Bible-based principles that they had learned, principles that were to become the seeds of the greatest and freest nation the world has ever known. After 66 days at sea, including sailing through some treacherous storms, the Mayflower finally reached America. The pilgrims had intended to settle in the northern parts of the existing Virginia colony and had tried diligently to reach that region. But despite their best efforts, fierce winds providentially blew them far north to a region completely outside of Virginia's jurisdiction. They finally put ashore at Cape Cod in the Massachusetts area. And after some searching, they found an empty and uninhabited location in which to settle. Significantly, had the pilgrims arrived at that same place some years earlier, they would have been met by fierce Paltexic, Paltexic, Indian tribe, a fierce <laughs> Indian tribe. If you speak Indian, you probably know that name. Pat, whatever, I won't say it. Which likely... That those Indians would have likely attacked and killed them. But in 1617, a, pl a plague had mysteriously wiped out all the tribe except one man, Squanto. He had been in England at the time of the outbreak and returned to the area just before the pilgrim, pil pil pilgrims arrived, finding his entire tribe gone. Due to the devastating nature of the epidemic, the neighboring tribes were afraid to come near to the place. They believed that some great supernatural spirit had destroyed the people there and might also kill them as well. So the land was left abandoned and open, a perfect, perfect situation for the pilgrims. Having arrived in an area not under the authority of the Virginia colony, the pilgrims drew up their own governmental compact or agreement before leaving the Mayflower. Now, this is where Thanksgiving comes in, so we can be thankful that these pilgrims who worshiped God landed in this place and made friends with Squanto. 
Here's what part of their compact said. Having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these presents, that is, by this legal document and charter, solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another, covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic. So this was an agreement that they were going to stick together. They were going to submit themselves to each other and to God. And they were going to do this for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. And so today we need to reaffirm this covenant. Not because they did it, but it's because we need to do this all the time. That we're going to do what we do and be what we are because the glory of God, and He has a call on our life to propagate, to spread the gospel, to tell people the good news that Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you, Jesus wants to change your life from one of brokenness and death and fear into life and truth and faith and love and peace and joy and generosity Guys, it, 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 it is the darkness and the light. The darkness and the light. And so we as the body of Christ need to know, need to know these things so that we can land on the side of light, so that we can always find ourselves in the Word of God, building our house on the rock, building ourselves on the rock. A strong church begins with strong, solid disciples. That's why our mission is building strong disciples. You can't do what you don't know. So that's why it's our job, my job, to teach you what you should know from God's Word so that we can do it, so that we're not hoodwinked, so that we're not blinded, so that we're not taken advantage of by people who want, <laughs> who want to take you, your neighbor, and this country down. I'm going to be teaching a lot on Marxism, socialism, communism. What does it mean? What does it mean? Don't just dismiss it if you don't know what it is. What you don't know can and will hurt you, kill you. Don't be ignorant. There's, there, there's, a, there's a cure for ignorance. It's not bliss. <laughs> it's not bliss. Side over here is helping me preach over here. Whoa. <laughs> Look at this scripture right here, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy 7. Look at this. Deuteronomy 7. Listen, the earth may be shaken right now, but Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. And God is wanting us to pray, to pray. And let, let me just say this. If Joe Biden wants peace, and trust, because here's, here's the deal. Mark my words. Write this down. Peace is connected with trust. And trust is connected to truth. And if I was Joe Biden, I would want to know that I won truthfully. Let's count all the votes. All the votes. Put out the illegal votes, because we know there are illegal votes. Every election cycle, this is nothing new, guys. Every election cycle, there are fake votes. There's false votes. And if you know that you know that you know that all the votes have been counted, and that's the result, then there's peace. There's peace. Where there's truth, where there's light, there's peace. There's joy. There's strength. There's unity. But until we get down to the bottom of this, there's not unity. There's no peace. There's no trust. There's only disturbance and deception. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Neuter National Version. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Now you have a chance to make him God. Right now, before we take communion, you have a chance to make God your God. Yes. 
But he is God, whether he's your God or not. But you have a chance to make him your God. He's the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love. But listen, love isn't passive, and love doesn't tell you what you want to hear all the time. It doesn't play your games. It doesn't tell you things that make you feel good. He keeps his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him. Doesn't stop there. And keep his commandments. How do you know if you love God? If you want to keep his commandments. Not if you're perfect. If you want to keep his command. Do you want to keep God's commandments? If, do you love God? Then he keeps his covenant with us. There's a part that he has, but there's a part that we have. And we, we rarely preach that. It's just God loves and God loves and God loves and God loves. Okay. And so, what? I can serve the devil and he still loves me? He still loves me, but how does he keep his covenant with somebody that's serving the devil? He loves us. And he wants us to follow him. He gives us a choice. He doesn't, he doesn't force us to follow him. Think about that. All the people that don't know Jesus right now are breathing a breath of air provided by the loving God that still has a plan and purpose for them, that's trying to reach them. The Holy Spirit is talking to them and wooing them and trying to bring them into a relationship with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, that is the greatest thing. That is the first step. That is the ultimate on this earth. To serve him and follow him and love him. To know his voice. To be his child. There's peace. I mean, all hell can be breaking loose, but there's peace. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got joy like a river in my soul. And you didn't give it to me, and you can't take it away. <laughs> the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. I don't care. I can Listen, I found a solution. I can turn off the TV. <laughs> I can boycott social media. <laughs> Think about that. I can take myself off social media. It frustrates me, Pastor. It frustrates me. Social media frustrates me. You know how to delete your account? D-E-L-E-T-E, -E -E, delete. And they say, they say, are you sure you want to delete? You know you're going to lose all these friends and you're going to, uh, don't delete, don't delete, please. Just put it in reserve, just put it in pause, just come back to it later. <sighs> social media, social media. Guys, let's be smart. Hmm. Mm -mm. We need a relationship with Jesus. Amen. He'll give you peace. He'll speak the truth. When he speaks the truth to me, it changes me. It changes me. Changes me. The Lord told me it, sometimes it just takes longer. He doesn't work on our timetable. It takes longer, which means there's things in us that we need to repent of that we may not be aware of. And I found that to be true, right? I think I've repented all that I can repent, and then I go before the Lord and say, please show me, is there anything else that's standing in the way? And he says, bingo, there it is. Get rid of it. Always in my life. I'm just being transparent with you. So, before we take communion, we're going to take communion here at this point. We're responsible for ourselves. That's called self-government. That's the highest form of government on this earth. Self-government. God wants us to govern ourselves. He doesn't want the government to be this huge monster that everybody's afraid of. That's not the way this country was designed. Please hear me when I'm telling you that our Constitution was not written to make a huge government that, that everybody bows down to and worships this person who we think is a king. That's what we left. That's what our forefathers left. 
There's a balance of government. There are three branches of government. Study about the Supreme Court. Study about the, the, the House of Representatives and the Senate and the Congress. Guys, let's be smart. It's not time to jump off buildings or fall off the cliff. Or It's time to trust in Jesus. In fact, I forgot to tell you that the title of the message was, In God We Trust. <laughs> so, in God we trust. Is there somebody that needs to trust Jesus? Just go ahead and bow your, bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to ask somebody if they need Jesus right now. I'm not sure who that is. I'm never sure who that is because this is between you and God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. This is just the way we do things here. That's between you and the Lord. But when you do pray this prayer, you need to tell somebody. When you do commit your life to Christ, you need to let somebody know that you're a Jesus follower, that you're a disciple of Christ, not a disciple of some person or some church other than Christ. Christ, him crucified, that's who we serve. So if you need Jesus and you want to follow Jesus, and today is your day that you're making that choice, I want to help you by giving you these words to pray. So I want everyone here to just pray these words with me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I, believe I believe with all my heart, with all my heart that, Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is the Son of God that He came to this earth, that he came to this earth was born of a virgin, was born of a virgin and died for and, me. And died for me. He shed his blood for me. He shed his blood for me. He was buried in a tomb. He was buried in a tomb. And raised from the dead. And raised from the dead. And he's alive forevermore. And he's alive forevermore. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. For all my sins. For all my sins. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. With your blood. With your blood. And fill me with the Holy Spirit. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. That I have power to live for you. That I have power to live for you. Today I'm born again. Today I'm born again. Today I'm your child. Today I am your child. And I thank you, Father. And I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, again, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, or maybe you're committing your life to the Lord again, please tell Please tell somebody. There's strength when you confess. Romans 9, 10, uh, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, salvation is made. And so it, it's great to believe in our heart, but we have to tell people. That's where the power is when we confess our faith to other people.